Throwing things has always come naturally for former Eastern Illinois track and field star Brady Miller as he joins us this week as our guest for episode 19 of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser, and on this week's episode, we talk with Miller about his unusual path to Eastern Illinois, his success in several field events as he earned All-American status for the Panthers, and his current passion, the Scottish Highland Games, where he is a world record holder. EIU Panthers podcasts are sponsored by Consolidated Communications. Learn more about the future of broadband for your home or business by visiting consolidated.com. Consolidated Communications, a proud sponsor of EIU Athletics. In EIU Athletics news, the basketball seasons are underway for both the men's and women's programs. Due to State of Illinois COVID-19 guidelines, no spectators will be allowed to attend games this year at First Midcourt at Lance Arena. All EIU games will be carried on the radio at HitMix 88.9 WIU, which is also streamed online. EIU home games and all Ohio Valley Conference road games for both basketball teams are televised on ESPN+. For the latest news on EIU athletics and schedules for the basketball programs and other sports teams, be sure to visit EIUPanthers.com and follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. If you want to hear more episodes of EIU Panthers podcasts, be sure to like and follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. EIU Panther podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio podcast. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with former EIU track All-American Brady Miller. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We're joined today by a former track athlete and standout thrower who has also got an interesting story on some things they've done after their career here at Eastern Illinois. We're joined by today by former track athlete Brady Miller. Thanks for joining us on the program. Oh, glad to be here. One of the things I want to talk about, and we were, we were talking briefly before you, you got on here, is kind of updating people where you're at right now. You, you mentioned you kind of got into the education path here and a, a long-time educator in middle school um, and then also a coach and kind of you were saying Neil Moore was kind of a big influence in your life and kind of pushing you to do that for a living. Yeah, absolutely. So years ago, backtracking to, you know, late 80s when I graduated high school, I had gone to Millican University to play football. That didn't work out. In the meantime, my brother was offered a scholarship at Eastern to throw. So I had gone out to help him one day throw and Coach Moore saw me throwing the discus with my work boots and my blue jeans on and said, what are you doing these days? And I happened to be working at a factory. I dropped out of school at that point in time and he helped me get all enrolled at Lakeland Community College, got my grades right, and proceeded to pay for all of my school and all my grad school and got me pointed down the right direction. So I owe a lot to, to Neil Moore, to say the least. Well, I would say that uh, um, I looked at the record book here briefly. I knew your name was in there. I, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize how maybe dominant you were. And now to hear the, the backstory of you were, you were found throwing on the side just for fun in, in some work boots for, for people that don't know you. You own, I would consider there are really five throwing events for, for track, indoor and outdoor. You own four of four of the records and you're fourth in the other one. And so I would say that that's a pretty good career for, for where you started from. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very satisfied with how my career went there at Eastern. Like I said, I kind of followed my brother there. He was there and he was having trouble with the discus, like I mentioned before. And I was 
you know, trying to straighten him out. And like I said, coach got me there. Um, Brett and I had trained and competed together since we were in the fifth and the sixth grade. So it was kind of nice to be reunited with what I would consider my training partner more than a rival. So we kind of, um, helped each other out all through our entire life, not only in track and field, but, you know, that was a big part of it, obviously. Now, the records that you hold, I'll, I'll just rattle these off. I'm not going to go into to specific distances because I don't necessarily know that, that people can translate how far things really are. But the, the indoor weight throw and the indoor shot put, you own, own both of those two records. On the outdoor, right. the hammer and the disc is what you talked about. And then also your fourth all-time in the outdoor shot put. Out of those events, right. they all seem like they're they're a little bit different mechanics. Was there one that you kind of – you were successful in all of them, but is there one or two that you maybe – kind of favored over some of the others? Well, the 35-pound weight indoors, I would probably would say was my my favorite, you know, just with the weather conditions there in central Illinois. We spent more time training indoors than we did out, um, although we did throw the hammer a lot in the snow. We'd scoop the snow <laughs> off and, and get practices in. But um, the 35-pound weight and the hammer, it was something that, you know, Illinois and most high schools, most states don't offer those events. So it was something new. It was like a, trying to learn a foreign language coming in, having been an accomplished high school thrower, and then trying to pick up something completely foreign to your body. So it was the, the challenge of those events, I think, more than anything, you know. But, yeah, the hammer and the weight, definitely. It was something different. Now, for you, and I, I didn't realize you, you had transferred in here. I just kind of assumed that you had been here all, all four years, especially when I look at, at, at how you kind of shattered the record book. But two times the, the Mid-Continent Conference Athlete of the Year, what was it like to kind of win win those awards, knowing kind of now that what, what your story was of how you went from you started as a football player to Division three to, you know, out of school to a junior college to then have those two awards? Right. Well, I think that my story is not unlike a lot of other 18-year-old young men who aren't mature enough to be ready to go and, and do some things. So I, I didn't take class seriously. You know, I thought I could just go and be an athlete. That didn't work out. You know, I didn't do my schoolwork. So I learned some hard lessons there that I think really, you know, in the long run, I, I needed those lessons. So I, I really, you know, put my nose to the grindstone once I got to Eastern, knowing that I'd already been down the wrong path. So I needed to stay on the right path. And I had some academic awards and some academic scholarships to go with that. So that was important to me, not only to excel on the field, but I, I made it a point to make sure I did my schoolwork and, and did it well. And also for you, in addition to the Midcon athlete of the years, you were a three-time All-American and a, you actually finished third in the indoor weight throw in 1991, which is a, for people that don't understand is a podium finish. Only three people medal, very similar to the Olympics. And, and to yep. reach, reach that level, I'm, I'm assuming that's, that's maybe a, a prized possession of yours. Yeah, I, I have, um, I have two trophies from the NCAAs. the following year, I think I was fifth or sixth and it was a pretty tight race my senior year, but yeah, I've got um, my wife, Oh, it's been several years ago now. She found my All-American certificates in a drawer in a <laughs> spare bedroom. Um, I had never done anything with it. I never thought a whole lot about it, you know. I just did my thing. I, I threw stuff. They gave me awards, and it was fun. And then whenever I got done with that, and then we started a family, she found those certificates, and she had them professionally framed and gave those to me one year for my birthday and said, you work so hard for these, we need to display these. So they're in 
they're in one of our guest rooms slash offices here at the house. So yeah, those are now proudly displayed. But for a long time, I really didn't think about the significance of it. Um, you know, I don't go around telling everybody. In fact, I have current students and athletes at my school that have no idea of my background. I mean, wow. that's just kind of how I've lived my life. I don't say, hey, you have to do what I say because I was a three-time Division One All-American thrower. I don't, that's just not how I've ever done it. So, Interesting. you know, I used to say, hey, I, I threw when I was your age and I've been doing this a long time. Hey, listen to this. I kind of know what I'm doing. So yeah. that's, that's how I approach my that's how I approach my throwers. In fact, we've got throwing practice today. We're preparing our high school kids for indoors if we actually get to go to a meet. So, okay, yeah, we'll I think we're kind of in that situation here. They paused all the activities here for the for the indoor season for actually for a lot of the sports. And I know state to state. Yeah, I have I, yeah, both of my college age boys are track and field athletes, and surprisingly enough, they're both throwers. Okay, so, <laughs> so we're on pause for all of our indoor stuff too. So as a dad, it's very frustrating. I don't get to go, get to go see my kids throw, but as a coach, it's equally frustrating because I don't get to see my kids throw. So yep. it's just kinda, been a strange year. Yep. And then you kind of culminate that, and I saw here that you went and participated in the, in the Olympic trials. What was what was that yep. experience like? I know you weren't able. I know they only take. There's only a. Uh, a few that they take for for all the sports to make the Olympics, but just to get to the Olympic trials itself has it, got to be a good accomplishment. Yeah, that was that was really exciting. You know, at the time, Dan and Darren Steele were there, so it was the, the Steele brothers and me had qualified for the Olympic trial. So, Coach Moore made that a a, a, a especially special trip for all of us, and yeah. It, it was it was pretty cool. I got to sit and talk with some of the best throwers in the country. Um, I didn't throw particularly well that day. Um, I had had some some issues with some illness, you know, leading up to the outdoor nationals at Austin, Texas in '92. I had some strep throat and missed some training that kind of messed everything up, as you can imagine. But it, it was a great experience to get to go do that, um, be exposed to some high level throwing, and. Um, I think my only regret that I have all these years later is when I got back from the Olympic trials in 92, I pretty much just shut it down and, and didn't train anymore. Yeah. I was going to kind but, of be know. my follow-up question is, is I know sometimes that you look at the, the people that are in the Olympic trials and a, and a lot of times the, the ones, especially in track and field, and I would say maybe in, in swimming as well, the ones that go there for the very first time are, you know, the, some of the top athletes in college, but then you're competing against, people that are the top athletes in the world. And my kind of follow-up question was going to be, had, had there been any thought about trying to stay in it and, and possibly try to make the 96 team? Yeah, that was discussed. And, you know, like issues with a lot of other young athletes, you know, going for stuff like that. It was just the financial burden and I had bills and I, you know, needed to pay my rent and, you know, get a job. So I had decided I was, you know, I was emotionally just and mentally and physically, I guess, just exhausted from three or four really hard years of training. And I just decided, you know, I'm going to take a few months off and a few months led into really not ever getting back to it again. So, you know, like they say, hindsight's 2020. I made a decision. Everything in my life has worked out great. You know, I have a wonderful wife, wonderful kids and a, uh, and a great life. So I'm not going to wish anything away. But I think about that every once in a while. What could have been? I was still pretty much just a intermediate level thrower compared to some of the other guys in the country at that time. I just didn't have the resources to continue. Okay. And you mentioned him a little bit earlier, your brother Brent. And I, I was always under the impression people told me you guys were twins, but I think you've already kind of established that 
that you guys are, are, are a year apart from each other. What was that? Right. And, I, and you did. I was going to ask rivalry, but I think you already mentioned that you guys kind of fed off each other, motivated each other. What was that like growing up, especially with you doing essentially the you weren't both just track athletes. You were throwers in track. And so you kind of were maybe always kind of going head to head for personal success, but also to help the team. Yeah, every day in practice since we were in the fifth and sixth grade. Um, I remember vividly in 1981, I was in the sixth grade and we had track tryouts. And my dad had taught in the school where we went previously. So he knew all the teachers and the coaches. He said, you should try track. Anyway, long story short, I picked up the discus for the first time and threw it a pretty long way, according to the coach, and said, you're going to be a discus thrower when you grow up. <laughs> So that's pretty much how that started. So I brought a shot, put a discus home. We lived out in the country, had a huge area in the back. And I remember my dad taking uh, his, his uh, you know, big old thing of flour and putting down a ring in the backyard in the grass with flour. So we kind of knew what the boundaries were and learning how to throw the discus in the grass and tennis shoes in the backyard in 1981. Wow. And my brother was in the fifth grade that year. So my dad said, you might as well start learning now. So you'll be ready for next year. Cause fifth graders were not at the same school at that time. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, we've been throwing in the backyard and at practice and in meets and traveling all over the country, competing against each other and with each other for many years. And the Highland games is no, no exception. That's, you know, of course that'll be, we can share that story later, I suppose. But yeah, we never really considered each other rivals. Although my wife reminds me now that I'm the second best in my own backyard when we come to practice some of the stuff we're doing as old men. So, <laughs> it, you know, it's always a, who has the practice PRs, who has the meet PRs, but it's just all in fun and very supportive and been training partners all these years in the weight room, on the field, in life. In fact, he lives down here. We both teach school in Nashville, Tennessee. His middle school is three miles from mine. He's been my assistant football coach for the last 13 years. So we do, we still do everything together. Wow. That's a, that's which a, is kind of cool. That's an incredible bond. You, you touched on it there, the Scottish Highland Games. That was one of the things that, that I thought was interesting. And I told somebody I was going to have this, this conversation with you, and, and this is what intrigued me. And their, their, their description of it was, that's the thing I see on TV where the guys are throwing around telephone poles. I, I, I think it's probably – First of all, I learned that it's not called a telephone pole. It's called a caber. So I have the, the right, yeah. correct terminology. But it, I, I guess, how would you describe the, the Scottish Highland Games in maybe a better sense than I just put it there? Well, for me, you know, a lot of the Scottish festivals and, and, and all of this, you know, people are coming to celebrate their Scottish heritage and, you know, the, the Highland Games athletic part, you know, the feats of strength, you know, to show your prominence on the field, you know, they come and watch. For me, it was, I've always been intrigued by throwing stuff, trying to make myself better. So the back part of that story is another teammate at Eastern, Rob Schultz, who was there at the same time that Brent and I were there, he threw with us as well, had moved to Dunedin, Florida, and was walking his dogs through a park and came across the festival down there. And he said, I saw great big men in kilts throwing heavy stuff. <laughs> he goes, I, he goes, I immediately thought of the Miller brothers would be good at this. So he called my brother. This has been about 12 years ago. I guess I started when I was about 40, I'll be 52 before long. So anyway, long story short, we found out what it was. We found a couple of games that were sort of close to our area. 
we, we researched the events and we sat down and we mapped out a plan. All right, it's going to take us a couple years to get back into weightlifting shape. Never really got away from weightlifting, but just wasn't in throwing weightlifting shape. Yeah. And four or five years to figure out the technique. So that's kind of how it started. Um, but for me, the intriguing thing was, as it's, it is throwing, it's a little different. And it was quite challenging in the early years, and it still continues to be challenging. But for me, it's the how to describe the Highland Games. It's it's like throwing in other competitions, but unlike collegiately, where everyone from every other school is your enemy and you don't talk to them, you put your headphones on, you only talk to your own teammates. The Highland Games is more of a social gathering for all that are involved of like-minded men. We all are out there throwing. We encourage each other. We coach each other, you know, everybody's trying to shoot for a personal best that day. You really aren't thrown against the other guy per se as you're just trying to beat your own numbers. So that's the difference. And that kind of was what draws me to it still is I enjoy the camaraderie and the fellowship with the other guys that have similar interests, you know, the weightlifting, the throwing, you know, how do you train around injuries and still be able to go throw at our age, things of that nature. So. It's a lot of fun. And I, I would say you, you, you've had some success here, and I know you're not one to brag on yourself. As, as you talked about, you don't you don't tell your current kids the success you had as a college athlete. So I'll, I'll look right. it up here, so I'll brag on you a little bit. I looked it up, and, and I know part of these are done by age group, but you own 11 Scottish Highland Game records. Your brother owns five, so you can – at least with your – you can tell your wife you can at least beat him on, on that record book if you're not winning the PR in the backyard. Right. Well, there's some events in the Highland Games that I am better suited for physically than he is. So that has been kind of fun. But yeah, we both hold several age group records. Um, my dad, of of course, has followed us to every track meet since <laughs> we were kids. He also lives in Nashville and he travels with us a lot on the road and he goes oh, wow. to a lot of these. And he's like our uh, our spokesperson. Everybody knows uh, the Miller brothers, dad, old cow, you know. <laughs> So, I mean, he's been our biggest advocate and fan all these years, and it hasn't changed one bit. He still – he travels a lot of, to a lot of these games with us. And, you know, if there's a Masters World Championship, we've done a couple of those. He's made sure to go to those. And um, so that's, that's been kind of cool. So that, that's been – it's been a neat experience that dates all the way back to 1981 and continues to this day. That seems weird even saying 1981. That's yeah, a long no. time ago. <laughs> I looked at some of the the, the events, and, and you, you are right. I think that some of these do probably tend to translate to, to maybe where you had some success at, as a college athlete. They, it looks like they have two different styles of or weights of stone and two different uh, weights of weight throw, and then a hammer and right. the, the, the caber toss, which is the telephone pole to make people think of what that looks like. Is there, I guess, do you compete in, in all of those when you go, or do you handpick yeah, it, wanna... it's like a decaf. It's like a decathlon all in one day. So a lot of the games we go to, you'll do seven events, and some you do nine. So as an example, I'll run through a typical day for you. So in the morning, you show up, you kind of get loose. You start with what's called the Braemar Stone. That is a big rock that weighs 22 pounds or more, and you can only throw that from the standing position. You cannot move in any way. Oh wow! So it's a standing throw called the Braemar Stone. And then that is followed by what's called the open stone, which more people would be familiar with, the shot put. You can spin, you can glide, you can shuffle, you can advance yourself across the trig. You know, there's a 
four foot six by nine foot box with a literally a giant tow board in the front that's straight. So it's called the trig. And then after the stones, you have the weights for distance. So if you're not throwing in a master's comp, and I throw a lot of professional games still, I turned professional at the ripe old age of 45. I think I was the <laughs> oldest rookie ever. So for the weight for distance, you throw a 56 pound weight. You throw with one hand, you do a couple of turns, but kind of looks similar to the discus in the second turn, Okay. but it's not, it's not discus technique. So after the 56 pound weight for distance, you move on to the 28 pound. That's the lightweight. So you will, you know, throw that. And then the next events typically are the hammers. There's two separate hammers, a 22 pound hammer and a 16 pound hammer. It's the heavy and the light. Now, what's different about the Scottish version of the hammer is you are not allowed to move your feet. You literally have boots with blades on the front of them and you stick your feet down in the ground. So you're stuck to the ground and you wind the hammer around and around. You know, you use your hips and then you finish it. That actually is one of my best events are the hammers. And um, so that, after that, we usually have a lunch break. We come out after lunch and the main attraction at most of these festivals is the caber toss. So then we'll throw the caber, and then we have our two height events. You have the sheaf toss, which is where you take a burlap bag that's filled up with baling twine, and you take a three-time pitchfork, and you see how high you can throw it up over a crossbar. The oh, okay. rules are the same as the pole vault. You get three attempts at each height, <laughs> and you move on up. That actually is one of my best events. I hold two or three age group world records in the sheaf and the hammers. And then um, the last event of the day is the 56-pound weight over bar. And that's not if you're throwing, if you're not throwing masters. So you take a 56-pound weight with one hand, and you see how high you can throw it up and over a crossbar. Same thing, the same rules as, you know, the high jump and the pole vault. Three attempts at each height. So, and typically you're on the field starting, you know, starting at 9 o'clock in the morning, and you're usually the last ones to leave the festival, you know, sometimes 4 or 5 in the afternoon. It just depends on how many what the size of the festival and how many people are in your group. So wow. you, you also have to have some uh, general physical preparedness too. You have to be in somewhat of a uh, decent shape. At least we're not running. So yeah. <laughs> now what uh, you look at this and, um, and I think people may be somewhat familiar with, I guess, maybe the world's strongest man competition where they have the, they move some of the, the big heavyweights, like, like you're talking about here, not necessarily from a throw standpoint. What are, Right. The people that are doing the Scottish Highland Games, do they have a, a track throwing background or do they are they former weightlifters? What have you kind of seen? Uh, there there is there is a huge difference in backgrounds. I will say this the top pro young guys, and I say young, you know, most of the top throwers in the country right now are between 28 and 34, 35 years old. It seems to be the prime age. Almost every single one of those guys has a track and field throwing background. The really good ones, the elite pros, almost every one of them. Same thing, um, like with the elite masters guys, there's a handful that don't have a track and field background. Um, but again, a, a lot of them, they touched a discus or a shot put in high school. They had a little bit of a background. And then there's a lot of the... Uh, you know, a lot of the guys from the strongman stuff, you know, powerlifting, deadlift, bench, squat. Now we got bored with that. Now we want to do this. And 
I have to remind them that it's not all about strength. You know, the technique is a, is a key, you know, yeah, I can imagine but so. yeah, the back, the background varies, varies, but there are a lot of guys with track and field, a couple of the better throwers that I know weren't track and field, but they were Olympic weightlifters as kids, competitive Olympic weightlifters. So they were training the right movements their entire life, you know, yeah. in the weight room. So the trans, the transition for them was not too bad. Interesting. Now for these, I know you talked about there are regional festivals. There also looks like there are some national world championships. I think the, with some of the COVID stuff, it looked like maybe in Arizona, I saw on, on a website that there's a 2021 championship. Is that something that, that you and your brother Brent are working yourselves towards? And, and have you been to any of the international type of ones? Um, I have not had a chance to go overseas, mostly because of my job. And well, in the finance as well. So the last for the Masters World Championships for the older guys, they've been in Germany, they've been in Ireland, they've been in Scotland. But like I said, I've been a middle school football coach for the last 25 years. And those all happened to fall in the fall of the year where I could not leave my job to go and compete in those. Gotcha. I I was able to compete in Greenville, South Carolina a few years ago and was a age group Masters World Championship. I also competed in Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, at one point in time and I was the runner up that year. A, a guy who had been throwing professional Highland Games for 20 plus years just happened to have turned 40 and he decided to throw and he was really, really good and I got second to him. And then in St. Louis a few years ago, I did another Masters World Championship and was again the Masters World Champion. Uh, so there's several that I've missed. Like I said, I've been doing this now for pretty much full time for 10 years. That first couple of years, we were just trying to figure stuff out and we'd hit some local stuff. But I would say it about six or seven years ago, we started throwing some really good numbers. Stuff started clicking. We were figuring things out and we've got to do some some really cool stuff. And, you know, one of the guys that's now in charge of the Masters World Championships, um, he's a six or seven time world champion. But he every time we get together and we talk, he always reminds everybody because the only time I've ever won is when Brady and Brent weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> so at least, you know, to me, that's a, a show of respect, you know, and at any at any level, you're competing against the guys that are there that day. And everybody knows that. Yeah. So. But it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, I haven't really met anybody that I dislike in this sport. Um, I never would have imagined when I started doing this, you know, 11, 12 years ago that I could turn it into a side job. This past year, of course, has been crazy, but you know, the previous three or four years, you know, I've been able to fortunate enough to get invited to some pro games and actually win money. You know, after my expenses, you know, the last few years, I've been averaging seven, $8,000 in prize money going and doing this stuff, which is pretty cool. I never would have thought they'd pay old men to throw heavy. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your time today, Brady. Just one more kind of question for you. I've tried to ask this, and we have a lot of former athletes on here. Just kind of looking back, maybe do you have one or two kind of favorite memories from, from your time here being a, a student athlete at Eastern Illinois? Oh, my, 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 my favorite memory in terms of the track and field stuff was at the time we were in the conference with Northern Iowa, and they were our huge rivals. And Coach Tom Akers had just come back and was our assistant coach. And 
we um we put a hurting on northern iowa at the indoor conference championships at eastern that's probably one of my favorite memories I, I don't think that they were expecting to get to get beat by eastern that year and the throwing group put a tremendous amount of points on the board to start us off so that's a that's a fun memory um then of course you know I still like to go to Pally Eyes when I'm in town and get me a pizza. That was my that was my favorite. My my uncle still lives in Charleston there. He's a retired in fact he worked for EIU. He's retired from Eastern. He worked in the mail department for thirty some years. So okay. we'll go up and visit and I like to get a Pally Eyes pizza. That was always my favorite. And of course Jerry's is not there anymore. You no, know, it is the, not there anymore. Yeah, I know. But um that's where I met my wife. You know, she she waited tables in there. My brother and I went in there one evening to get a pizza and she came out to wait on us and I told my brother, I said, man, she is really pretty. I, I'm going to marry that girl. And he started <laughs> laughing at me. We will have been married 25 years next November. So there you <laughs> it go. all worked out. Well, there's still the Jerry That's sign is still thought. there. The Jerry sign still there. You yeah. guys, you and your wife can at least come back and take a picture in front of it for the memories. Yep. Yes, sir. So, yeah, I, I had a good, I had a very good experience at Eastern. I really did. Well, I do appreciate your time, Brady. And once again, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Best of luck to you. Um, on, on your the, the Scottish Highland Games. I know you guys are kind of training for some of that stuff, hopefully here in the new year as some, some COVID restrictions uh, get rolled back a yep. little bit. I'm actually going to throw in, I'm going to throw in a game on Saturday over in Knoxville. They got a, a Toys for Top fundraiser, and they've invited a bunch of guys from Tennessee just to come and put on a show and and get some toys for the kids. So I'm looking forward to that. I I, I appreciate you asking me on, to, to be on here with you today, and I've enjoyed talking with you as well. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great holiday season. You too. Thank you, sir. All right.